So this podcast really is something that I can use as a tool to teach myself things that I didn't know when I was younger. Things I always wished that I would have known. It's one of the main points of why I'm doing this. And I think there's nothing more important than continue learning, lifelong learning. There's nothing more important than having that in your life because if you don't do that, if you don't evolve, you die. Nobody stands still. Nothing stands still in one spot. Either things grow, go forward with growth or they, they wither and they die and they fall apart. Okay, so it's kind of the point of this podcast is to keep continuous learning going on in my life and hopefully through that can have uh, continuous learning happening in your life as well. That's one of my main in- attention intentions. <laughs> one of my main intentions while keeping my attention on people who are doing incredible things. And sharing their either their story or having them on the show or, uh, you know, just going through what they've done and maybe if they have programs or they have uh, ways to teach what they've learned, I then try to reiterate that back onto the podcast. And Mark Metry, who's on the show today, is also doing pretty much the same thing. Uh, I'd say he's better at it than I am at a younger age, which which is incredible. It's awesome. He has a podcast called Humans 2.0. The podcast has been around for a little over a year. It's, uh, you know, top 100 in the world, I believe, Mark. Maybe I have that wrong. I may, might have it right, though. Uh, it, it's huge. Either way, he, he interviews really, really high-level people in many different areas of life and many different industries. Now, Mark himself has a really cool story. I mean, he went at 15 years old having one of the first uh, Minecraft servers and made, like, six figures at a very young age, and now he's 21 years old, and he's he's learned that, uh, you know, you, you need to have this constant learning and this constant growth uh, that comes along with success. And if you don't have both of those things in line, uh, you can really mess things up because one without the other can be very destructive. And uh, today now Mark is interviewing billionaires. He's interviewing New York York Times bestselling authors, legendary world-class human beings. It's just what he does. He went from being um, an anxiety-struck kid to somebody who has a lot of self-confidence and has really built something for himself today through you know his own mind, through continuous learning, and through his podcast. He's also the founder of a company called VU Dream, which is a digital marketing growth agency focusing on virtual reality and mixed reality or augmented reality. And I'm really honored to have him on the show. Really honored to sit down and have a chance to talk to him today because he, he's he's doing some really cool things out there in the world. And he's talking to some really cool people out there in the world. And I suggest for you to do the same. And I think one of the best things to do if you're trying to get your mind into a different state, is you've got to put yourself in situations that put your mind into a different state. And one of those states is through meditation. All right, And one of the best ways I've found to really uh, get deep into meditation is in a float tank or a sensory deprivation tank. They're amazing. And I've been using one, um, you know, I, I try to meditate every day. But I've been using one of these sensory deprivation tanks once a week, and I use the LHTA Wellness Center, which is in Evansburg, Pennsylvania. So if you're in central Pennsylvania, that's where I would suggest you go. The people who run the place are awesome. The facility is fantastic. The float tank they have looks like an egg out of Alien. Uh, So (laughs) it's cool, man. So I I would suggest checking them out, LHTA Wellness Center. If you don't have a float tank, uh, if you're not in the central Pennsylvania area, find a float tank near you and and do it. Check it out. Try it. See what I'm talking about. But right now, let's start this episode with Mark. Let's go. This is Rob Z Radio. Welcome, everybody, to Rob Z Radio, the podcast. I'm super excited today to have Mark Metry on the show. Mark, I've been uh, following your stuff for a while now. You, uh, The Humans 2.0 podcast is, is huge. 
uh, check that out if you guys are uh, listening to podcasts if you're interested in some uh, personal development life development expand your brain definitely check out humans 2.0 i just saw you in forbes magazine which was crazy and uh i'm so honored that you uh decided to jump on here with me take the time to talk to me today so thanks for being a part of the podcast and i guess for anybody who doesn't know you uh give like a a brief background of yourself and, and what you're doing right now yeah so i am mark metry 21 years old I run this podcast called Humans 2.0 that, um, you know, is basically the stuff that I wish I learned when I, even though I am a young guy, that I wish I learned even when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about, um, you know, all walks of life from kind of like the daily life to, because, like, you know, man, here's the thing I find that. You know, whenever you're trying to look up something on the internet, yeah, there's always these different uh, like labels, these different group words, right? So for example, if you're somebody that is like trying to lose weight because you see that as an outward reflection of yourself and you you go on Google, you eventually start associating yourself with like the like uh, health, uh, keto, nutrition, exercise, kind of group but you know man what i've realized is like i just i don't think in life of that way i think of life is much more holistic Mm. and so on my podcast we just like to talk about everything that has to do with life and you know what it means to be a human being today living and breathing in 2019 and so that's what i focus on so you know man i talked to you know, all people from all walks of life, from professional athletes to um, world-renowned authors on like business and on leadership and on happiness. And then I talked to like, you know, health experts like Dave Asprey, the founder of Bulletproof, billionaire philanthropist Naveen Jain, who has a healthcare company that I believe is going to single-handedly take down the entire healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to talk to the people that you know, are not just theorists, people that have not just read a book or even written a book, but are actually just doing this stuff day in and day out in their lives. That's, that's like what turns me on, so to speak. So I've really, really been focusing in on my podcast. And, you know, I do a lot of other things. I also run a business called View Dream in the virtual reality, augmented reality space. I'm currently working on a book, currently working on um, launching an event in Boston this year for my podcast humans 2.0 and you know i'm just uh, i'm just a dude like a just a young honest ambitious dude who's just trying to make stuff happen in the world I love it, man, because I, I think the title of this podcast, right? I've been doing this podcast for uh, four years now, but just recently I changed the title of it to Be the Teacher That You Needed because I think that there's nothing more important than like if you didn't get the education in your school system, if your parents didn't give you the, the education you needed, and not like the generalized education, but like the stuff you need to know, the stuff you should know, the stuff that's like important for you personally to, to change your life and to move forward, uh, you've got to search for those people and learn from them. So whether that's through podcasting or through books or through uh, you know YouTube videos, or however that might be, um, there's there's a way that you should be doing that and, and and figuring those things out. And I think it's really cool. You you embody that yourself. I mean, just in what you do as your podcast, being 21 years old, like I wasn't, I was nowhere near the level you are at 21. So I think that's so cool to see, like a younger generation. Cause I'm 35. Like I grew up when the internet wasn't did, I, half my life. 
the internet didn't exist. Half of my life it has existed, which is a cool kind of space to live in. But you know, your your generation, you guys grew up with it in your face all the time. You you always or almost always had it right in some way, shape, or form. So yeah, I just I love the idea that you're just going out there and you're seeking these people and you're you're like almost making mentors out of them by having a podcast with them discussing uh, things that are important to you but things that are important for humanity and I guess taking humans to the second level which would be humans 2.0 right yeah yeah and, and honestly <laughs> I, I loved all your points man and it's it, it's real interesting to see and, and you know hey man like I'm, I'm I'm 21 I'm very young basically grew up with technology but um you know, I remember when, uh, you know, I didn't have a cell phone and I remember when I did get a cell phone and it didn't have internet <laughs> yeah. and like you had to buy text messages. And so, um, at, a, at when I was a kid, I started to see this stuff unfold. And I think because of that, now you're getting, you know, people that are even way past me, like you, there are 15 year olds right now oh, yeah. that are like building solutions on how to take like freaking pollution out of the ocean. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like we basically, because of technology, have now gained access and distribution in a way where, I, you know, I'm not calling myself talented, but the people that are actually talented are now getting the tools that they need to, you know, versus, um, you know, I guarantee you there is some kind of like Michael Jordan or like LeBron James and he's like a four-year-old kid that's stuck in the slums of India right now, but yeah. he just doesn't have these tools. Yeah. And so I think it, 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 it's really about that. And like, to me to really kind of summarize this real quickly, I started to really understand the power of technology or I started to notice it when, um, I believe this was in 2011, 2012. I remember I was in school and uh, this thing happened called the Arab Spring. And uh, this, the, the Arab Spring is basically in those couple of year timeframes, a bunch of countries in the Middle East ended up revolting and pulling revolutions on their governments and upending them and instilling new forms of government that the people chose. So I remember I was a kid and I was seeing this and, um, you know, just as a little bit of background, my parents actually immigrated to the United States where I live now from Egypt just a year before I was born. Wow. So Egypt was actually one of the countries that had a revolution and I yeah. had cousins that lived there and I had one of my cousins call me one day and said, um, it, this was like pretty chaotic times. Like the government was falling. People were protesting. People were like burning stuff down kind of like all over the place. My cousin told me, dude, there's some graffiti on the walls and the graffiti is of a blue square with a white F going through it, standing for Facebook, because that's actually where the entire revolution started. Wow. It was all started from a series of group chats wow. using technology. So like, I didn't totally get it at that time, but that to me is just like an example that's like, whoa, 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 whoa. the stuff that's going on today is unlike anything that's ever happened in human history right. and is completely pulling a 180 degrees on human behavior and how we behave within the world in and of itself. No doubt. Yeah. And, and I think that it's, it, we move so quickly and these things seem so commonplace now. It's like, you know, there's been a movie about Facebook that it came out like a decade ago, right? So it seems so old, yet it's so freaking new. It's still so new. It's such a little baby. And people forget that. They forget the fact that this is just 
this is just the infancy. This is just the beginning. Right? We're just. We're, I love when Elon Musk talking about. Um, uh, you know the the real is- issue here, keeping us from moving uh, exponentially forward, is bandwidth. Like the fact that our hands are still controlling the keys, you know, and that's that's like slowing us down, right? So if we can get past that, once we get past that point, it's going to move so much faster. But you're so correct that like we're we're in such a, such a an early phase. It's just the beginning, and look at the change it's already had. Look at the impact it's already had. And talking about your podcast, right? Like. To see you go out there and you're doing an episode a day. Are you still doing an episode a day? Because that first of all, I want to know about the. I want to go back to the beginning of like like where you started that when you were 15 and how that all went down. But I want to talk about the uh, the podcast, man. How do you crank out an episode a day? What is your tactics with that? What's your mindset going into it? Like, how do you diligently do that? Because I mean, I run two other businesses as well, and the podcast always comes last because I don't make as much money on it. So it's like, ah, I can slack on it and then that's okay. So where does your mindset come from and your work ethic? Yeah, man, that's a great question. So, you know, to start this off, you know, you've got to know why I started the podcast. So when I was 18, 19 years old, I started to become conscious of a lot of things that I was unconscious of in my past. A lot of things about myself that, you know, I was not necessarily proud of. And um, so, you know, I started to understand this and I started to understand who Mark Metry really was. And, you know, at that time when I went into college at, at 18, I started to expand my worldview. And, you know, ju- like, you know, just real quick, like when I was 15, I started the world's number one Minecraft server. I went from a kid that, um, you know, grew up from immigrants, grew up on government housing, food stamps to kind of just like all of a sudden making like hundreds of thousands of dollars from a video game. <laughs> crazy. So like the image I not I don't want to paint here is that like I was some kind of genius. I actually just got really lucky and I kind of stumbled into this. But I knew I had that in my past, right? So I knew that I was always trying to like search for opportunities. And when I look back at my life when I was a kid, I was always like really crafty. I was always like trying to just make cool stuff happen. But when I went off to college, 18, 19, I started to become aware of this version of myself. Up until that point, I had always thought of myself as a loser, somebody that has no talent. I didn't really have much of a self-esteem. And in turn, I didn't really have uh, you know, much meaningful and deep relationships with people. Mm-hmm. My health was totally out of whack. And in turn, that was influencing my mental health. So I went off to college and I like started to sort of click this, get, you know, click the click in these dots. Yeah. And at first when that happened, I got, you know, it, it became really uncomfortable because I realized that I had almost put my mind in like this state of denial about some certain things in my life because I had reached some sort of superficial success from the server, from the money that I was making. So during that time, I went down this dark spiral it's probably like one of the first times in my life where I kind of became like actually depressed for like a few months. I ended up, you know, binge eating, uh, you know, a bunch of crappy food, binge watching Netflix, just like doing all the things to try to escape myself, to mm-hmm. not deal with my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as anybody else knows, there's only so much, you know, you can go on to that until you know, you, something happens, some kind of like a, like if, if somebody's abusing drugs, some kind of an overdose or, you know, your friends and family start leaving you. 
And so for me, it, that version of that was like becoming depressed, becoming obese, becoming even more unhealthy, becoming even more unhappily happy, socially isolating myself. And so like it took me, it took me a while to get out of this. It took me, um, hmm, took me about like five, seven months to sort of get out of this. And I got out of that by traveling. I actually went back to Egypt just for like a summer vacation for a month. I started to read books. I started listening to podcasts. I started to do more research on health, on like how specifically to lose the weight. And through all of those different things, I started to sort myself out. And so I actually, you know, started picking up better and healthier habits like meditation. I stopped eating sugar. I stopped doing all these different things. For me, when I look at my life as a thing that has placed a lot of unconscious boundaries, it's largely been my social anxiety. Like for the longest time, I could never express my true self in front of people that mm -hmm. I didn't like really, really know. And even people that I did really know, like my family and like some of my best friends, I had always just kept certain parts in the shadow about me because of the way that I feel like they would perceive me. Yeah. So I started to figure out all of this stuff. I started doing all these new different things. And so I ended up starting a business. And this is at the end of 2016 now. So then I'm trying to like start this new way of life, kind of like a like human 2.0 mode, so to speak. Yeah. I'm starting to do all these different things. And it wasn't until the summer of 2017 that I started my podcast. And it was solely you know, for the reason of putting myself with people that know what they're talking about, what we talked about at the beginning, because that's the way that I learn. I learned from having a direct conversation with somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. So I was like, okay, I'm struggling with my business. I'm going to talk to all the business leaders and figure out how to like learn from them and, and like get my business off the ground. You know, I'm, I'm struggling with meditation now. I'm going to go and interview all the meditation masters. You know, mm -hmm. I'm struggling with leadership with my company and my team. I'm going to interview all the leadership people, the top of the top people. So I started to approach it from that kind of mindset. And that's the same way that I approach it today. So, you know, when you ask me of, you know, how do you do the podcast every day? It's just like, dude, this is so heavily ingrained in my life. It's not even something that I even think about anymore. Mm -hmm. This is just totally what I do. This is part of my being. Even it, honestly, I would do the podcast if it wasn't even public. Right. If I could like somehow interview Seth Godin and all these people that I look up to and be like, yo, I'm just going to record it, <laughs> but it's just going to be for me. We're not <laughs> going to put it out there. I would still do it if that was possible. So honestly, it's just like, you know, when you find something that is that important to you, you're going to find time in the day to do it no matter what, right? It's kind of like, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, some people they discover like a new app or for some people they discover, I don't know, like a new food. Some, you know, sometimes some people like fall down in like the rabbit hole of like this one specific thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, throughout their day, they always have a chance to do it. And mm -hmm. I think that just comes down to desire. And so honestly, I have a daily podcast um, just because of the fact that, um, first off, I think most podcast hosts aren't taking it seriously enough. Mm -hmm. And that's why I believe through doing that, I've been able to build a top 100 podcast in just a year mm -hmm. now. And just for the fact of putting myself in this self-development learning feedback loop. 
Man, genius. That's some that's some golden stuff right there. And you're exactly <laughs> you're one hundred percent correct with the whole uh, podcasters don't take themselves seriously. And I, I fall into that world because I think the reason is, at least for me personally, because it doesn't seem like anything while you're doing it in the beginning, right? Exactly. I've been doing it for several years and I, I've never thought of it. I, I use it as a platform to teach myself. And just like you're saying, man, it's 100% true. So I jump into this podcast like I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to talk to people. And really, one of the, I mean, I've been in radio for uh, close to 20 years. But the, the thing that mm-hmm. with podcasting is that it helped my radio skills like exponentially because you're learning to mm. talk on the fly, to think on the fly, to ask questions, to respond to something in real time and keep a conversation going. Lots of people don't know how to do that anymore. It's really, it's, it's difficult to like sit down with somebody and have a, an honest, straightforward conversation where there's no distractions for an hour or more. And, uh, yeah. and I think, and I push this on anybody, especially when I talk to kids who like ask me about how to get in, if they want, if they want to get into radio or if it's how to shoot videos or podcasting or whatever, I'm like, you're going to experience the most growth through making podcasts mm-hmm. and, and, and making videos because you're going to learn so much about yourself and you're going to have to learn how to mm-hmm. interact with other people and you're going to have to learn how to, you know, it's, you, you have all these thoughts in your head. It's really hard to get them out through your mouth and get them out through your mouth uh, accurately and the, the way you want to present yourself and make sure your inflection's right so you're you're sending off the, the person you really are on the inside to the outside, which can be, that's, that's a learning curve. There's a big learning curve there uh, that I think there's a, so much potential for growth by starting your own podcast. Because usually when you start a podcast, I mean, I started it out just kind of goofy. It was funny with my friends and having fun. Nothing really was uh, what I felt as important was coming out of it. But the more I do it, I, because I listen to so many uh, high-level the high level thinkers in podcasting and people who, you know, who really want to teach and they, they want to learn and they're constantly growing and they're using the platform for growth. So when you start to get that mindset and you start to, uh, you know, listen to those people and through osmosis start to pick up how they do what they do, it starts to come through you and then you want to start learning yourself and you start this like, it's just never ending growth, really. It's it's like that yeah. lifelong learning uh, that I think a lot of people, I don't know if they don't necessarily, uh, maybe they aren't even aware that they're doing it or they're aware that they're doing it, but it seems too painful to keep learning and growing because you kind of touched on it a minute ago as you grow and as you learn there's pain that comes along with that right there's pain that you you found out things about yourself that you don't like but they're true and you have to face them there you know that there's things that you do know but you don't know everything about that thing and that thing that you do know might not be 100 percent the right thing or you might not be be tackling it the right way you may not be chasing after it in the in the best way you possibly can so uh, when you feel those pains of those things you sometimes just stop doing them because it hurts mm. it's like this stress mm. and this this pain that comes along with it can detract you from it but if you flip that invert it and then start going towards it it just starts to build and build and build more and more and more and the more you do it like you're doing the momentum that you have it, it's there's have you ever read the book the slight edge do you know what that... No. Okay, so in the slight edge, they talk about um, this flywheel, right? And the flywheel is just like a big wheel, kind of like a, a water wheel that like it slowly starts to move and it's slow to move and it's hard to push and it's hard to grind it out. But once it gets mm-hmm. momentum, then it just starts rolling on its own. And I think with your podcast, obviously, because you do it every single day and you're putting the time in and you're learning and growing, which builds passion through it, you have this momentum now like you said, that you don't even you don't even think about it, right? You don't even think about doing the podcast. Yeah. It's not even a thing anymore because it's become a part of who you are. 
That's, yeah, that's and beautiful. Dude, I'll take it a step further. Um, you, you know, before we hit record, you know, we were, you, you were talking, you're like, hey, man, so this all started for you when you were 15 with the Minecraft server. And I said, no, it actually started with going online and starting a YouTube channel. So when I started that YouTube channel, when I was like 12, right, and it took off, this was at a time where YouTube was not YouTube. There were people like there. This is at a time where there weren't people that had millions of followers. Yeah. You could make some money off it, but it wasn't anything near to the degree that it is today. Um, you know, like this is still at a time where I remember people saying, "Like, wait, you record videos of yourself and put them on the internet?" Like it was just like a completely, completely different time, man. So what ended up happening was I quit YouTube, even though I had thirty-five thousand subscribers, because whenever I talked about it to anybody in real life, they would be like, dude, that's so stupid. Why would you do that? Because right. it hadn't yet taken off. Right. So that same sort of mental model, I took that and I applied it to podcasting, right? Some people have podcasts. You know, 2016 is sort of like where podcasts started. Like they started to become a household thing. I don't believe they have still taken off yet to the degree that they will. Mm. But I used that same model and I was like, okay, Nobody's taking this podcasting thing seriously. Everyone's posting like once a week or once every week and nobody really cares about it. And I'm going to take full advantage of this. So what I saw was this, like I'll kind of try to break down this evolution. Um, so I started the podcast in summer of 2017. That summer until the end of the year, I didn't take it seriously whatsoever. I recorded some interviews which sucked balls by the way they were <laughs> awful i recommend you you go back and listen to them i was so nervous i was so scared yeah. the conversation was awful uh <laughs> it's just so funny to look at and it wasn't until the beginning of 2018 that i took it seriously it was january 1st i remember it 2018 i was like like, you know, the, the same kind of like entrepreneurial feeling that I always get whenever I start something, whether it was the YouTube channel or the Minecraft server, I'm like sort of getting it now about the podcast. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to trust my intuition and I'm just going to put in all the marbles. So the beginning of this year, I got more, sorry, not this year, 2018, I got more serious about it. I started to post like three, four times a week. I started to, you know, reach out to, to people. I started to get more strategic about who I was getting on my guest, what kind of topics I was covering. I started to improve my, my skills. I started to improve like the podcast quality itself. I started to do all these different things, man. And in March, two months of doing that, I ended up interviewing some people that started to talk to me about marketing. They started talking to me about using uh, like LinkedIn and Instagram. I had on somebody from Gary Vaynerchuk's content team. And after I filmed the episode, he was like, dude, you got to get better at promoting this. You got to get better at putting this stuff out on social media so you can get more listeners. March is when I started like posting stuff on social media. You know, there's a couple months here and there where there were some evolutionary changes, but mainly I want to say like in June, I was like, you know, yo, I got to take this to, um, or no, it was like in May, I was going to be like, I got to take this to five times a week. And then it was like in the middle of June, I was like, okay, I got to do this now daily. So it was like this gradual progression of just like me realizing a bunch of different things and then me changing my actions. Because, dude, to be totally honest with you, I completely knew my podcast was going to hit the top 100 
before I even hit it because I, I started to get the desire. And more importantly, I started to change my behavior to get there. So I think it's a combination of all those different things that like, um, you know, kind of put me, kind of like put me at that stage. Like I, I literally remember um, like the summer, like last summer when kind of all this stuff was like starting to hit the fan. I would literally like, I, I take a cold shower every morning because I heard that's good for your health. And I've been doing it for like a solid year, year and a half now. And like literally every day to pump myself up before I hop in the cold shower because the cold shower is awful. I would say the Humans 2.0 podcast is going to hit the top 100 podcast. It's going to be a top 100. Po- and I say that literally every single morning mm-hmm. until finally, you know, it it uh, it happened. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a combination of like all those different things and just kind of like, um, you know, I think getting feedback is very important from people in real life and also people online. But I also think there comes a time and a place where, you know, you need to shut the world out for like six months and you just need to like put on tunnel vision and just because like that's what I did. Um, I don't recommend it for everyone, but I really do believe that if you just sort of triple down on yourself and, you know, not listen to, you know, so many other people on social media and even people in real life, I think you can get really far and just really surprise yourself. This is exactly what people need to hear, exactly what I need to hear also. You're, you're 100% right, man, because, you know, this is funny because 2019, I've, I've kind of positioned myself what you're saying about 2018, right? I've been running this marketing mm-hmm. company and uh, it's going really well, but I'm not satisfied in it. It's not giving me like, it's not giving me what I thought it was going to give me besides the monetary end of it. So I've been doing uh, this podcast now long enough where it's like it's time to turn it's time to turn the juice on. And that's honestly a reason that I reached out to you because I, I watched what you do and I'm like, man, like Mark's out there doing this every single day. Now now I know his story. Now I know how he's doing what he's doing. It's always, for me at least, and I think everybody kind of benefits from this, right? You have to learn other people's stories. It helps to learn their chronological path and how they got to where they are. Now that that might uh, turn you, it might um, make you angry. It might frustrate you because they're further along than you are. Uh, you know where you want to be, or they're they're where they are now, and you want to be there, but you're not quite there yet. So, I think that uh, it can, if you let it beat you up, you can beat yourself up with it. But if you let it inspire you and just learn from it, and and just tweak yourself, like you said, get in that cold shower and doing those affirmations, dude. The affirmations are so important. And I used to not really believe in affirmations. I thought that was ridiculous. But I've been doing them now daily uh, for about six months. And it's not, Same. you know, it's not like this. I, I hate to talk about the, the secret or anything like that. But really, it's just you're, you're convincing your brain of something that maybe hasn't happened yet. But if you convince your brain it has happened, then you're going to be taking practical steps towards it on a daily basis because you've convinced yourself that thing is happening or that thing already has happened and now you just got to build yourself closer to it and whether you want to say that's bs or not it doesn't matter because it's real when you do it and you put the time in you find out oh that's real that actually does work now when you hear somebody say it and you're like there's no freaking way that actually can happen like i'm not going to sit here and tell myself all these things because that just seems stupid well what why is that stupid like if you were doing it in front of a group of 100 people you might feel stupid it still would work, right? But if you're doing it by yourself in your car, in the shower, in your bedroom, wherever, or just in your own head telling yourself that, there's nobody, there's no shame there. What's the shame? Just do it. And you're eventually going to, to bring yourself closer to that thing you've been trying to go after. And, and, and you know, I had, to, I had to get confirmation from that. I had to talk, I had to listen to 
people who have done it. I have a mentor who's helped me to put together the affirmations, um, the YouTubes and the the videos and the podcasts that I've listened to. Like everybody does it. Who who is successful? Who I think of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's my like the greatest dude of all time. I love Schwarzenegger and all what he's done with his life. But like that's what he used to do when he wanted Mr. Universe, when he wanted Mr. Olympia, when he wanted to uh, become a Hollywood star, when he wanted to become governor. He would vision it in his head. Like he would he could he said he could crystal clear picture it happening in his head, and he would do it over and over and over again. And then it just he drew then closer to it because he had set his mind on it. So man, it's so. So incredibly yeah. powerful. It's so powerful. It's insane. Uh, so I'm really glad that you threw that out there and put that out there because like, what what is your so what's what's your routine like? What's your mindset like? You're talking about cold showers. Uh, what's your day? What, what's your morning routine like? What's your day like? So people can get an idea of you know to to crush it like you're doing it. How do you tackle it? Yeah, you know, real quick, I just want to say that uh, you know I didn't I didn't I didn't believe in affirmations either. So maybe like a year, year and a half ago. So, and, you know, I always thought like, you know, you're just saying things to yourself, this, this and that, you know, and then, you know, I actually started to look into the science and it turns out that, you know, with, with all this productivity stuff, with all this morning routine stuff, everyone always talks about environment, how important your environment is for setting yourself up for success. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the language, the words that come out of your mouth actually become your environment. They create your outer environment. It's just the way that the brain works. And so I think it requires, you know, the use of your imagination, like visualization, affirmations. And then I think it also requires, you know, you, you know, putting in all the marbles and you, you know, really just like bleeding your eyes out in every single moment to try to get the thing that you want to happen. And I'm not just generally talking about like a job or amount of money or a business. Like I'm just talking about like your life in the holistic perspective. And like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story that I just recently became aware of, even though it happened in my own life when I was younger, that like really made me understand this. And so, um, so like, like I told you before, when I was growing up, uh, you know, my parents didn't really have much money. We didn't really like, we didn't have money to buy things. We were from like the immigrant mentality of like, you just don't buy anything except for like the very bare necessities. And so like, I never had money. I never thought once in my mind of like, like I was never in a store and I was like, I'm going to buy that mm-hmm. because I just didn't have the money. And I knew I didn't want to ask my mom for money because we were saving our money for like the bare essentials. Right. So that was the kind of lifestyle I was coming from. And I remember maybe when I was like 11, like 10, 11 years old, we would be driving on like the highway to get home, the same highway. And there was a, there was an Outback Steakhouse that was like in this plaza, like towards the right. And I had never had steak in my life before, but I had like seen it in movies. And I was like, dude, that looks so good, man. I wish one day I can have a steak. And I would like, like what I like now that I'm thinking about it, when I was a kid, I would like just think about that. And I would think about how potentially good eating that steak would make me feel, even though I had never had a steak in my life. And so what I actually realized is my imagination was triggered and it was being used to put me in a situation, in a scenario that I was not currently seeing in front of me. A few years after that 
is actually when I started to make money on my own. And a year after that, after I had like made it, I was going to that Outback Steakhouse almost every single like weekend, sometimes <laughs> even a, a few times. Taking your whole week. family with you. Exactly. That's literally a verbatim what happened. But I realized that once I got to that feeling, once I could like literally feel it in my body, just like just like as if I'm like imagining it, I'm in like some kind of movie, I'm eating the steak in the steakhouse. That is the way that our minds work. They mm -hmm. run off of emotion. Mm -hmm. Our spirituality runs off our emotions. And it's kind of like putting it in a GPS. So once I had that feeling, once I had that emotion, and I like I, I didn't even say it to myself. I didn't say like one day I'm going to go to this steakhouse. I didn't even think that. But I just started to feel it. And so that's like putting it into a GPS. And then when you're going throughout your day, whether it's in your morning routine or you're trying to accomplish a specific goal, after doing that again and again and again, your subconscious is, is going to start to find little subtle tiny ways to point you to get you into that direction where, you know, to the point where you can be 14 years old and be totally self-made, which is what happened in my case. So I think it's like way more important than people realize. Yeah. I think it's not the only factor that comes into play, but I think it's super important. Um, okay, so to answer your the actual question, sorry for that. <laughs> no, that's know, okay. Actually, before, right. before we go into this next question, yeah. uh, you just sparked something in me that I'm thinking of right now. So this is this guy, uh, do you know who Michael Singer is or Mickey Singer? Um, you, Sounds very familiar. You would find him extremely fascinating. He was just on Tony Robbins' podcast. I just bought his course. He's like a meditation mm. expert. And um, he talks about like in his life, that little voice in your head. And that lot, a lot of times for a lot of us, that little voice is like going against what you really want to do. And like, you know, judging you and thinking that that's a dumb idea or whatever this might be. So he was building like this. He was building this meditation temple in the woods. I think he lives in uh, Georgia, I believe. Mm. But um. When he was building it, uh, his voice, his the voice in his head kept saying, "This is stupid. What are you doing this for? This is a waste of time. Nobody wants this." And he was, and he just kept ignoring it. And he said, "Like that little voice in there, it's it's just it it doesn't know what it's doing. It's just yeah. it it thinks it's helping you. It thinks it's like self preservation because you're diving into a world. And and think about it. Like it doesn't make sense because uh, this is what my mentor always talks to me about. His name's Ray Overdorf. He's been on the podcast twice. Uh, he's he's an awesome dude. And um." He tells me like we have about eighty. Oh, is he the one that works at Spot, uh, uh, Shopify. What's that? Is is he the one that works at Shopify? No, no. Ray's Ray's close to eighty. He's older. He was like a he, he ran he ran uh, A and P grocery stores and then became a, a life coach and a business coach. He's an amazing dude. But he's talking about um, you know, we have about eighty thousand thoughts a day, right? And about 99% of those thoughts are old thoughts. So your brain doesn't mm -hmm. know any better. So when your brain's talking to you, telling you this thing won't work and that thing won't work, it honestly doesn't believe it will because it's never experienced anything else. So you've got you've to teach it through learning from others and through experiencing things in real life that these things are possible. So when that, when that little thing in your brain pops up and starts saying you can't do this or that's not going to work or da-da-da-da-da, you have to just ignore it because it doesn't know. You have to teach it to know. And once you teach it to know, then it'll learn that those things are possible. But that I just wanted to throw that in there because I thought that was pretty uh, – it, it fit in with what you're talking about. And it's really powerful when you break it down that, that the only reason you're telling yourself these things is because you don't know them yet. But if you convince yourself <laughs> before you experience them that they're true, then it'll draw you towards them faster. But anyways, 
Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, dude, I, I absolutely love that so much, man. And, you know, I'll tell you this. Um, so uh, so I interviewed this guy. He wrote a book with Dan Harris. His name is Jeff Warren. It's, uh, it's called like 10% Happier, How to Meditate, this kind of stuff. And he has this great quote, and it's, um, meditation forces you into a direct collision with a fundamental fact of life that is not often pointed to us, and it is that we all have a voice in our heads. And so, you know, this kind of voice you're talking about, I didn't get that until I started meditating. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it just like you said, it is very much, um, it's a program, yeah. right? Um, and so if you are, you know, even unconsciously believing a bunch of things about yourself, um, listening to other people's negative opinions, opinions about you, not doing the thing that you want to do, and you do that again and again and again and again again, that is the program in which you have built for yourself. That program is not inherently, um, you know, good or bad. It's just a program and it's like computer. And just like you said, 99% of those same thoughts are identical from yesterday. Mm -hmm. So like that literally shows you that like, you're literally on like this loop and yeah. you can call it Monday, you can call it Thursday, but it's literally the same exact thing. So I started to realize this once I started to come up with like a bunch of resistance in my life. Like kind of like what I was telling you about before, I started to become conscious of things that I wasn't conscious of. And I started to face discomfort. I started to face resistance within. And that was the voice inside of me. I had this voice that was saying, Mark, you suck balls, bro. You don't have any talent. Uh, you know, you're a loser. You can't do anything. But then I had this other voice of me that was maybe coming from the good things that I had done and then maybe coming from, um, you know, like the, 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 my true self, the yeah. part in me that really believes in like a higher destiny. Yeah. And so when that starts to happen, man, you know, I see this all the time. People don't do the good things that they know they should do because of that voice is telling them not to do it. But what you've got to realize is that, not for all cases, but that voice is usually not your life. That voice is just simply a biological mechanism that your brain has evolved through hundreds of thousands of years to get you to survive, mm -hmm. right? Because if you... Um, you know, like I, I interviewed Seth Godin on my uh, on my podcast, and he told me that, you know, basically what motivates people to do all the kinds of behaviors is the root fear of fear, which is death, us dying, our mortality, and that fear is linked to two other fears. Um, actually, no, it's just linked to, um, you know, our our fight or flight system. So. Um, you know, that can make us, that can make us anxious, that can make us more paranoid. And then also, um, you know, we humans are biologically wired to have the fear um, of being socially ostracized, meaning you get kicked out of the group, because that means that if you're sitting around with your tribe, and you say the wrong thing, or you criticize him or her, they would kick you out. And if you were living alone in like, I don't know, the 1300s, without a doubt, you would die, right? Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. So like our brains literally programmed this in us. Yeah. And so, 
some people, you know, end up like living their life in this certain way and they become 30 or 40 or whatever. They're like, oh my God, I should have done all these different things because the life that I'm living right now is not actually our life. And it's just like the big thing for me that I had to understand is that like, you know, when I was starting to live my new life and I was facing all this resistance, it is absolutely a normal thing. But the thing that I had to understand is that when I started to meditate, when I started to eat healthy, when I started to exercise, when I started to sleep eight hours, when I started to do all of the behavior that I was not used to doing, it starts to like reprogram that program. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you get to this point where, you know, I wake up and we'll get into this morning routine where I wake up at five o'clock in the morning, regardless of what the voice in my head is telling me. It doesn't matter what it's telling me because I have a understood the fact that you just sometimes you just shouldn't listen to your thoughts because thoughts and actions have a very tightly correlated feedback loop. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, like this is the best shown in, in body language, right? So like you cannot have a bunch of confidence. You can um, not be ready to do something. But the second that you have your shoulders upright and you're standing straight and maybe you're doing like a certain power pose or you have both of your hands on your hips, that literally changes your body's physiology and will change your thoughts to be like, oh, no, okay, actually, I am going to do this. Mm -hmm. And so, I, like, that is literally, like, the running philosophy of my life. I'm so glad you mentioned that, man, because it's, like, just knowing that has, like, made me do things that I would never, uh, you know, be able to do. And so, like, you know, I wake up in the morning every day at 5 a.m. Generally speaking, I uh, go for a walk. Uh, I, you know, drink some water. I, you know, come back to my house. I either do some kind of, sometimes I do like some stretching or yoga and then I do uh, mindfulness meditation. And then after that, I go into uh, journaling. I journal a few different ways. One way is just a direct stream of consciousness. So no kind of filter, just literally writing down whatever my brain is thinking in real time. And then sometimes I use it for affirmations. Sometimes I use it to write down what I'm grateful for. You know, sometimes I use it to, you know, if I, if I have any kind of anxiety, if I'm afraid about something, sometimes I will just write down all of those fears, whatever I'm thinking right now. And that'll kind of help me get over that. And then after that, I, uh, I hit the gym. Usually it is... Um, Every other day is uh, strength training. And then the other day is I go for a run. And I find that those two kinds of physical activities are really good for me. And then after that, I you know, do the cold shower. And then I just um, you know, start my day. Whatever kinds of meetings need to get done, whatever kinds of um, you know, podcasts or interviews or calls or projects that we need to tackle. And then... Um, you know, probably like the other useful thing that I would say is, um, you know, during during lunchtime, uh, I, you know, I try to like, so for me, man, what's been massive is uh, is eating healthy. It's been the biggest thing. And, um, you know, there's like this fallacy of that I always heard when I was a kid that was like, oh, yeah, young people can eat whatever they want because they're still growing up and they, you know, they don't have diseases yet. Yeah. But it's like, where do you think those diseases are going to come from? Like literally what you do in your developmental years are the most important. So like literally babies and little kids and teenagers should be eating like the best kind of food. And um, 
you know, I found that food is a, has been a massive, massive influence for me in terms of like brain fog, energy, focus, my ability to sleep, which then correlates to the next morning. Mm-hmm. But like, I, like, dude, I'm trying to talk about food as much as possible because um, like, I, I don't know what you fall in nutrition or anything, but like, I don't think it has anything to do with keto. I don't think it has anything to do with paleo or, or like avoiding carbs or avoiding glu- I don't think it has to do with any of that stuff. If you look at the cutting edge research right now, a lot of it has to do with how our genes are expressed. And, you know, just so I can go into this a little bit, uh, we might get a little bit off track. Now go for it, man. I think it's unbelievably important. But, you know, it turns out that, um, you know, we have like 20,000 human genes that are expressed, okay, in our body. It turns out that we have 2 to 20 million genes that are expressed that are not human cells, that are bacterial cells. Mm. So it turns out that the human body itself is actually less than 1% human because the other <laughs> part of it is from bacteria. Uh, if you look at cutting-edge research, it's called like the microbiome, the gut microbiome. Yeah. And it turns out that, um, you know, this is so, just so important because, um, you know, between you and I, uh, Rob, you and I have 99.9999999999% of the same DNA. But when it comes to our microbiome's DNA, we have less than 5% in common. Damn. And so the reason why I'm even talking about this is that, you know, growing up, what actually influenced a lot of my mental health and I believe actually influences a lot of people is their health, how they feel, because it correlates with your energy, your mood how willing you are, how irritated you are towards people, all these different sorts of things. So I was diagnosed with a bunch of chronic illnesses when I was a kid and I was being medicated for them. And what I started to realize is- What, 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 more re- what illnesses were they? Just to go into yeah. that real quick. Yeah, so it was nothing serious. It was things that were unbelievably common. So for example, um, autoimmune diseases, things like asthma, uh, rashes, allergies, um, different problems with my digestive system, with my, uh, with my endocrine system, ADHD, problems with sleeping, I, you know, all these sorts of things. I wasn't like in the hospital every day or something. But what I realized, Rob, was the more work I did on my microbiome, all of my symptoms for these diseases started to disappear. Mm-hmm. And so this is super important because, dude, it's not about eating broccoli and avocados because for some people broccoli and avocados are the two foods that they should actually should not be eating. And so um, I think talking about the microbiome and health in this particular perspective in our diet is super important, man, because, you know, I get people that talk to me all the time and they're like, dude, what's your, you know, morning routine so I can have like the most energy. And like, once you start working with people, you start to realize that they have some limitations in their day. Sometimes in the middle of the day, after they eat lunch, they get brain fog. Sometimes they wake up and they feel like crap. Sometimes they don't feel like they don't have energy to work out or to exercise. And then when it comes to go to sleep, their body's awake and they can't go to sleep. So dude, for me, focusing and tripling down on my health it's not just food, but food is a big part of it, has been like the most productive thing for me, has given me the most amount of energy. And so like, if I can continue on this just a little bit further, yeah. uh, 
one of the billionaires that I interviewed, Naveen Jain, he's like this billionaire philanthropist now. This dude's got like a space company, but he um, started this company called Viome, V-I-O-M-E. And he developed it that he developed it from this technology that he originally found that our government, the US government, had spent billions of dollars on in case of a bioterrorist event, a case where some kind of a terrorist event happens and they release a chemical agent and it's getting people sick and they need to understand exactly on a cellular level what's making people sick and what's not making people sick. So he took this technology and he was like, yo, what if I could reverse engineer this to understand what's making people sick and then how to make them healthy? So he started this healthcare company called Vio, and it's the world's only, world's only functional microbiome health test. So there's like some other microbiome tests out there. Yeah. They're all scams. They all just tell you like 50% of the bacteria that's in your body, but in reality, it doesn't actually tell you what's going on inside of your body and what RNA expressions they are giving to you right now. So when I discovered Viome, um, it literally changed my entire life. It told me the foods that I should not be eating. It told me the foods that I should sort of be avoiding. It told me the foods that I should really focus in on mm. and the foods that are going to heal my gut. Ever since I started doing those things, every single one of the symptoms that I had for my chronic diseases that I was being medicated for completely disappeared. <laughs> Went to my doctors. They said, yeah, I, like we don't know what's going on. I got off all the medication. I've never slept better in my life. I've never been focused more in my life. I've never had more energy in my life. I've never been me more myself my life. I've done it with certain friends where they were diagnosed with the wrong chronic illness from their doctor and being medicated. And Viome actually found out what was actually wrong with them and gave them steps to do today and the following days to actually improve their health. So I know I just kind of like went on a tangent, man, but like whenever, like every, whoa, every chance I get, I'm trying to talk about the microbiome and Viome because it's correlated to so many things. Last thing I'll say on this is this. Um, if you heard of the serotonin chemical receptor modulator, yeah. So depending on who you talk to, a lot of people will say, that's what makes you happy. That's how you view yourself in the world. And if you take a look at um, SSRIs, a lot of the antidepressants today, they mostly play on that serotonin receptor in our brains. Did you know, actually, like this is literally research that has come out in like the last, I think, four years. It turns out 90% of our serotonin receptors are in our gut, not in our brain. So, That's dude, so I'm trying to talk about this as much as possible because I fundamentally believe that whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a podcast host, radio host, businessman, dad, you're trying to be a better parent, you're trying to be a better son, you're trying to be a better whatever, it is heavily, heavily correlated to how you subjectively feel during the day your energy levels, your mood. And I believe that is heavily correlated with your health, with your microbiome, what, what kind of foods you're eating throughout the day, what kind of stress you're eating, like what kind of stress, how you're moving your body, who you're spending your time with. That to me is like the number one thing mm -hmm. because, you know, everyone knows, you know, not to eat sugar. Everyone knows not to eat like processed chemicals. Everyone already knows those things, but I believe that's not what's making everyone sick 
mentally and physically. And so for me, this has been a big, 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 big focus, foundation, cornerstone for me, because I believe if somebody can unlock their own health, they can unlock themselves. And when you do that, Rob, that voice inside of your head becomes much more easily programmable because you're giving it the cognitive resources it needs to actually grow and develop. Yeah, man, drop a bomb. Damn. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is so good, dude. That is so good. Um, okay, what, what what podcast was that with with Viam? Who was that again? I got to check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to check that. So, it, it, so um, it was uh, episode one thirty nine okay. on my podcast with uh, Naveen Jain. Okay. N a v e e n period Jain, and um. And yeah, he's a, he's a genius. Definitely check into him. That's so cool. All right. So yeah, this is interesting because like my wife has an autoimmune disorder. She's having all these health issues and migraines and all this sort of stuff. And she's getting an MRI done on Thursday. And you know, there's a lot of stress and it's a lot of different. And she, she's tried so many different diets and so many different health strategies. Um, but I'm looking into Viome as soon as I'm done talking to you because I got to I got to dive into that. That's Bro, I guarantee you, like I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a scientist, I'm not, a re I'm not any of those things. But what I do know, Rob, is I live my life based on direct experience. Yeah. And I'm not the only person that has found amazing results, but also like I've literally told everyone about this test and the people that have done it, every single one of them has fundamentally changed their health. Mm. I guarantee you it's going to be the game changer for your wife 100%. That's powerful, man. Awesome. And, and you know, I think one of the things included with all of that also is fasting, which I know people talk about intermittent fasting right now a lot. It's, it's been very popular. I've been doing it for a while. My wife's been doing it for a while. And um, I, the church that I go to, uh, it's non-denominational, and they that didn't really have any point. I just threw that in there. But, like, uh, right now it's fasting season. So they're pushing mm -hmm. fasting, and I... Uh, I'm like, yeah, I'll do the intermittent fasting here and there, and yeah, that, that's cool. But the way that it, it, it just just understand like the fact that your your body's a machine, right? And when you're constantly on this eating schedule, like you're always hungry and you're always eating food, and then you're crashing because your blood sugar level drops and all this stuff, it's affecting mm. like you're you're taking energy up for your brain by putting food inside of you all the time. So we don't need to eat as much as we do, right? You got to eat well, but you also don't need to eat as much. And people, they, they, they three meals a day, maybe for somebody that's necessary. For a lot of us, it's not necessary at all. It's really, it's really helps you to function better if you do some sort of fasting because then all that energy taken up breaking down food is now put back into the rest of your body, into your brain, where you can utilize it for some, some mental capabilities. So, I mean, there's, there's yeah, it's just, the, the importance of what you're talking about is astronomical. I cannot wait to get in there and check that out. One of the other things I wanted to talk to you about before we wrap this up is AR and VR and AR, virtual reality, augmented reality. I found I find 1 billion percent the most fascinating thing that's coming in the next 10, 15, 20 years. It's going to it's going to blindside the world because a lot of people don't really see what's coming coming, right? I mean, I have I've right. I've dove into some VR, not heavy, um, but I know myself personally that I try to I try to avoid it because of how addicted I know I already am to it even though I don't even do it that often. Like just putting my, my phone in one of those, those cheap set of goggles that you can put on your head. You can buy the cheap goggles for like 10 bucks. Even doing that puts me in a whole other world where I'm like, this is, this is some next level kind of stuff. And I know the, the company that you have is an AR and VR company. So talk about like just your passion for it 
um, what, what you're doing with that company and what you see as the future, like where are we heading in that direction? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, so yeah, so I'm really passionate about virtual reality and virtual reality is, you know, what you mentioned is when you put on these goggles and then everywhere you look, you're immersed in like this full 3D virtual or 4D virtual environment. And augmented reality is um, when you take digital objects in the digital world and you put them in real life. So kind of like Pokemon Go is the classic example, Instagram filters on your face and Snapchat filters, um, and then, you know, Google Glass and doing all these different things. So, you know, I, I think we're still quite a, you know, long time away from, you know, main mainstream adoption. How far do you think but away? Will, How many years do you think? Um, I think, I think it'll probably start popping in like 2025, okay. 2030. Okay. I think it's going to take a while. And so I believe that every single thing that we use today to look at a screen, to access the digital world. So meaning this laptop that I'm looking at you right now, my phone, I believe all of that will be solely replaced by augmented mixed reality. Yeah, We will have some kind of glasses or some kind of contacts or some kind of like a brain implant. And it's and, not hard to believe. Sorry to cut you off real fast, but I was just thinking like when you drive new cars and in, in a new car, it projects your speed onto the screen. Like it, it projects like your speed onto the dash and turn signals onto your windshield. So like you can actually see it while you're driving. So if you imagine like that's hard to believe, like it's if you get in a new car, it's already happening. It's already there. It just take it a few steps further, you know? Yeah. And it hasn't even started yet. And yeah. and so I believe that everything we use today to look at screens, to access the digital world, like social media, like, uh, you know, the car, like different aspects of our day to monitor things. I believe all of that stuff will eventually become a part of the natural human experience. I don't believe there is going to be as such a word as social media. <laughs> I believe that it will be so heavily blended into the world that it's just going to be like, okay, who do you want to see today? Okay, who do you want to talk to today? And it's no longer going to be about physical locations. Physical location, I think, is going to be rendered obsolete, which is crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's interesting. But, you know, to bring it down into, you know, how virtual reality is being used today, um, you know, one of the biggest employers in the United States, Walmart, in some of their stores has a virtual reality training session in the back of their stores. Hmm. Yeah, it's in most of them now, where actually the way that it works is they use it for training. And it's uh, built in with this artificial intelligence program where basically they'll put on the VR headset and they will put them in scenarios where they would generally train their employees. What they found out, and this is from the CEO of Walmart, it's not only now cheaper to train employees now with virtual reality, it's also much faster, much more efficient, and much more up-to-date. Well, yeah, and because, you I mean, them. you're not even, like, worrying about them offending a customer. They don't have to work in real time and, like, piss somebody off. They can get inside this VR world where there's no consequences, really, and they can learn through that. It just makes sense. 
exactly. And that, and by the way, that's literally one of the examples that they have. What do you do when a customer, when a pissed off comes, customer comes up to you and starts swearing at you? That's, that's like literally one of the environments that they put you in. <laughs> so like you take a look at that and then you go to something even more mind blowing, right? Like, let's say you look at the world, you, you, you take a look at a problem, right? A problem is uh, veterans and soldiers that come back from war and not just them are experiencing PTSD, okay? Post-traumatic stress disorder. You look at how that's being treated today and there's, you know, a wide range of solutions and treatments for it. One of those treatments is um, opiates. And, you know, I don't know about you, but at least here up in Massachusetts on the East Coast, there's this thing now called the opiate epidemic. A lot of people now are addicted to these drugs for honestly no fault of their own. But the fact that after their condition has... um, you know, gone away, they're now addicted to um, this, th- this opiate, or it's, it doesn't even actually solve the problem. And it just makes them sicker. It never has. And, and I mean, that's the funny part, because I've, I've dabbled in my life. And uh, it doesn't really get rid of the pain. It doesn't really, it, it might mask the pain, it might kind of like hide it. But it just gets you high. It's not really getting rid of the thing you need to get rid of. So it's just it's, it's, it's bad. It's a bad product in general. In my exactly, personal opinion. Exactly. And worse, you know, it's being prescribed by doctors. And so if you look at what the U.S. military is actually doing, they're actually using virtual reality for some certain scenarios to treat veterans that have PTSD and put them in this um, intelligent therapy program in virtual reality that is really just like a tool unlike ever, ever before. And, you know, what I believe VR and AR is you know, really all about the, the CTO of Oculus said that virtual reality is the final, is the last computing platform because anything that we could potentially imagine can be created in virtual reality. And, you know, today, if you're trying it out on a cardboard holder, it may not necessarily, you know, you might not, your brain not may, might not be convinced. But if you actually try out some of the other ones and the ones that will be coming out, that stuff is going to be indistinguishable from reality. And yeah. it's like, what happens when we invent technology where, you know, similar to, you know, the brain now can look at anything. If you want to look at, I don't know, two elephants having sex, you can Google it and you can, your brain can literally see that. It gives you that instant gratification. Yeah. Now, what happens if your brain has that same ability? But now the ability to experience anything, right? that's just, that's crazy. And I believe that is the way that, you know, VR is being built. And ultimately, you know, with the interconnectedness and application and the long-term, long tail of virtual reality, artificial, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, um, you know, different exponential technologies merging together, the human that stands before you today in 2019 is going to be completely different species in like 2040. I think it's, we're going to be completely different. And if anything, I think we're actually going to be more human. And people look at all these different things like what Elon Musk is doing and this and that. And people were like, dude, the future is going to be crazy, bro. And, you know, I'm sure some certain parts of that are, but they're only crazy to us. And so I think the people of the future are going to look back in this time right now in 2019 and be like, dude, those people were so crazy, man. How are those people alive without, 
you know, AI implants in their brains or this or that. And so, you know, that's the long-term tale of what I, what I think this is going to be. And I think it's going to be massive, massive, massive. Well, because, I mean, imagine the separation, the gap that's going to be brought on by that, because right now we're already seeing this huge gap, right, between anybody, any Gen Z who was born uh, after 1995 and anybody before that, because they're they're in this whole new world where they don't even, the fact that an iPad didn't exist or like they couldn't carry their, their TV with them or watch whatever they wanted to at any time is so foreign to them and it's so ridiculous to them. That divide is already so huge and the wealth separation there is so so huge because I, I live in an area in uh, central Pennsylvania and it's very behind the times when it comes to technology so I'd say we're 10 yeah. years behind maybe more uh, so even when I when I do marketing uh, for Facebook or for Instagram like I have to dumb things down to like the beginning stages because they're not even on board for the beginning stages yet let alone what is happening currently right now so um, that gap's just going to get bigger and bigger and once AR and VR becomes really fully accessible and once uh, a younger generation comes along that just is like has has that implanted into their life from the time they're two or three or four or five compared to somebody who's 50 my god the difference in that is going to be so huge like when they talk about that that gap and that that great divide is coming in that world and there's nothing you can do about it like be afraid of it or try to avoid like you better just try to ride that bad boy out and, and get on board with it because it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, you know, I, I, I disagree. I think that, mm. uh, you know, I, th- I, I think you're right about some things, but, you know, t- like Kevin Kelly, for example, the co-founder of Wired Magazine, he said that the real game of technology is about access and distribution, which is exactly what you're talking about, right? So it doesn't really make much sense for us to, um, you know, talk about, virtual reality when there's people in India that don't have food, right? So like, there's like, there's like that kind of, you know, duality. But what I do think is happening now is that I think with the use of exponential technologies, I think things are going to start to become democratized. So what do I mean by this? This is what I mean. Um, so, you know, for example, you know, let's say you take somebody, and you know this is a this is a very interesting example. But let's say you take somebody that has autoimmune issues. Okay, they've got a bunch of different health health issues that are all stemming from autoimmune, which we now know all stems from an imbalance of the gut microbiome. And so they go to a hospital. I don't know every so few months because of their symptoms, because they're sick, because they need help. They go to their doctor, they get a drug, or they get some kind of treatment. Their insurance goes up. They keep paying medical. And, you know, I have some friends that on their own quest to solve their health problems have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? But they're still not necessarily healthy, Mm -hmm. right? Now, let's take um, Viome, the example we just mentioned, the healthcare company, okay? That That is only available because the U.S. government has already put in billions of dollars and because of Naveen Jain's billionaire powers and influence has been able to license it from the military, from the government. So through using that technology that costs $300 a year or something, they're now able to give that to somebody and have them be symptom-free, not be sick, within, I mean, obviously everyone, it depends within three to six months. Wow. So now we're talking about like somebody potentially in the future, it's happening now with Viome could potentially get better healthcare 
with less cost than what the developed person has today. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think that, yeah, there is going to be certain aspects of like this divide, but I do believe that democratization is going to be opened up because we have exponential technologies. If you look at, for example, um, the New York Times, they did this piece on how a lot of the developing countries, a lot of the um, third world countries, almost all of them now have a steady access to clean water. Not all of them, but because through like literally the last five years of all the technology that's been created, like there's this, there's this technology being created that's like literally this fan that they put up in different stations in Africa that generates water from the air. Wow. And so I think once we start looking at resources in this way that are not necessarily black and white now because we have exponential technologies, it can start to like just open our brains to things that we like we could literally never imagine before. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the future of technology and the future of humanity as a whole is going to be a one where we all really just help each other out in a way where we can. And I think a lot of that is going to have to do with people making things more universal. And I think it's going to actually be much easier in the future than it is today. Mm. So I think it's I think it's a really interesting conversation, but I think the future of this is bright, but I don't think it's going to become some kind of dystopia where certain people are living in virtual reality and some people are not and some people are like dying. I think that, you know, humanity is very kind and I think the tools that we're developing today are going to be able to, you know, make us create solutions in ways that were never ever 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 possible. You know, and I get what you're saying because, like, here's what I think in my mind, right? Like, there's, there's, there's the, uh, the 50 year old man that won't get a smartphone. He's like, I love my old flip phone. I'm not going to the smartphone crap. And as, as VR becomes more, you know, and AR becomes more accessible, cheaper, people are going to start using it more. And that guy's, that guy who didn't want to use the smartphone is still going to be stuck in the past. But <laughs> whenever something is created that would, change his life through VR, AR, or through just technology, through uh, antibiotics or whatever the technology is that could help right. him fix some sort of disease, and then he decides to hop on board because this thing can be fixed through this technology, then he will be brought up to speed just through that, just through those actions, because if it's going to benefit his life or her life, uh, they're going to do it, right? If it's going to help to save their yeah. life, to improve their life, they're going to end up doing it eventually. So I see what you're saying, yeah, that the... Uh, the, the potential there for everybody to get to be supported in some sort of way uh, is going to help to to bridge that gap. That makes a lot of sense, man. I'm glad I'm glad you put it like that because I never yeah, thought of thing, it like that. Yeah, one one thing real quick is you know, dude, that that old guy in you, the, you know, the skepticism. You know, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And one thing that I'm always trying to challenge people is technology. You know, is not the iPhone. Technology is not Twitter. Mm -hmm. They obviously they are, of course, technology. But what I'm saying is that this is just a a single soul representation that came out from an idea from a group of people, and the long tail of technology is not necessarily these specific applications, right? So I think that technology can very much go wrong. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I don't think it's about whether it's good or bad. It's ultimately behind the cognitive apparatus at play. Oh crap! What happened? Sorry, I just realized I uh, I, I 
Yo, I have, uh, I gotta go. I totally realized that, uh, I totally missed, like, <laughs> uh, it's all good, man. We've been talking for a while. Listen, Mark, uh, I would love to have you on again at some point in time. Go do what you got to do. This has been amazing. Humans 2.0 podcast. Find it on all podcast apps. Anything else you want to throw at anybody out there who's listening? No, no. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on, man. Thank Absolutely. You. Really cool conversation right there with Mark Metry. I like that a lot, and I uh, really want to thank him for taking the time to talk to me. And he's like, kind of, you know, on he's on the path that I want to be on this growth path, and he's doing it. He's been doing it, and I love that he says that he treats his podcast like a job, and that's something that I have really slacked on. So I took one big takeaway. I try to get a big takeaway from everybody that I have a podcast with, and my one big takeaway from today is treat your podcast, treat that thing. Maybe it's a vlog. That's thing. It's the thing that you do on the side. Uh, treat it actual, actually like a real job, and then it'll become what you want it to become, right? So that's my mission. I haven't uploaded. I missed like a couple of months of not putting episodes up because other things in my life came along, and I got distracted. So I'm really glad that I got a chance to talk to him. And, you know, that puts me six degrees of separation from Ed Milet and many other super powerful people. So, Mark Metry, thank you, dude, for taking the time to jump on here. I want to talk about DDP Yoga just for a second because it's, it's something that I believe in. I only have sponsors on the podcast that I truly believe in because I use them because they work. And DDP Yoga is one of those things. Diamond Dallas Page, a uh, wrestler from back in the 1990s, had a really banged up body and went to yoga to try to fix this and then through yoga learned that there's certain parts of yoga he loved but other parts of strength and conditioning that he loved as well and he merged them all together into his own thing that he built called ddp yoga you can find it at ddpyoga.com uh, i would get the app you got to pay for the app but you can have it on your ipad you can have it on your phone and then you can take ddp yoga wherever you want so i love it because i can work out anywhere i've been doing it for so, so long now about three years in that i can kind of do a workout without the app but uh, it's always great because there's there's hundreds I'm, I'm serious hundreds of workouts on that app there's live workouts there's workouts for 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes to an hour. Uh, there's so many variety of options of ways that you can work out through DDP Yoga. And I, I've never done, you know, I, I've been, I, I lifted uh, kind of like bodybuilding for about a decade. And I would get satisfaction out of that. I never feel better. I'm serious. I've never felt better after any workout than after a DDPY workout. I just, I'm telling you right now, you will feel amazing when you finish these workouts. So at least try it out. Give it a shot. See what it's all about. DDPYoga.com. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you guys on the next one. Zebras. Peace out. This is Rob Z Radio.